0: Good morning, everybody. My name is Alvin. For those of you who are here for the first time, welcome to Nashville Life. I serve as lead pastor here. And if you've been before, welcome back. Glad to see you. Um, we're going to get into the message. Before I do, I wanted to uh, reiterate a couple of big things. One is the food pantry that we've got for Paragon Mills. Uh, we would love for you all to take this week to to uh, find the items that we're asking for um, for this community and come next Sunday so we can fill up this bin to my right in the lobby um, for these awesome kids and their families. And then number two is that uh, the Tanzania trip, November 1st this year. We would love to get as many of you guys out to Africa with us again. We had a great trip last year. We went to Kenya, and this year we're going to go to Tanzania. So if you're even slightly interested, Please make a point to come on March the 4th to hear about what it is, find out what kind of work we'll be doing out there, how much money you'd have to raise to make the trip, Um, but I would love to see you guys there. Uh, The main thing I want to share that I'm going to leave about five minutes for is that uh, earlier this week, those who serve on our team uh, and those who um, consider themselves members of Nashville Life got a communication sharing that due to the significant growth that we've been seeing in our attendance here at Nashville Life we are adding a third service to our Sunday mornings so yeah congratulations the church is growing and it's it's really Great to see, especially from this perspective, standing out here and seeing people tune in and come and come back, hungry for the word. And I just believe it's time for us to make room. We've we've been kind of preparing ourselves for for this since last year and just kind of seeing uh, how consistent the, the growth has been, and we believe it's time. So hopefully in the spring, we'll be launching a third service, and we would like to hear from you about uh, your thoughts on that, about when you would want to attend church, what are your preferred times for us to offer uh, here at Nashville Life. So if you already filled out the survey, there's no need to do it again, but I wanted to leave a few minutes for us to do it right here live. So we have a QR code we're going to put on the screen, and there's a couple of ways you can fill out the survey. You can get out your phone and scan the QR code, and you'll see a link to fill out your preferences for service time. Or if you would rather have a paper survey, we've got some for you. Our team is out here, and they're happy to pass them out. So you can just raise your hand, and you can turn it in at the end of service to the Next Step booth. But we're going to play some music. I'm going to leave a few minutes for you to fill it out. Um, If you can, we'd love to hear from you. Get your thoughts on it. And I'll be back with the message. See you soon. (music) Uh Feel free to fill it out later if you want. Um, and then if you had the paper survey, then to my left in the lobby, we've got a Next Steps booth, just turn that right in. So we can hear what you guys had to say and take that into consideration as we come up with the, the, the final choice. Um, for Vision Sunday next Sunday, we hope to share what our three service times will be and the date that we'll launch it. But um, I'm excited. I mean, I just think it's a really good place to be in when you're seeing that you need to make, make room for more folks. And uh, we love meeting all of you, people who've been coming in, hearing your stories, hearing how this community and how God, through the messages, have, have re- has really blessed you and touched your heart. Um, we just wanna see that multiply. And we believe that this city Uh, has a lot of need and there's a lot of people who need what what's here at this church so I'm looking forward to to seeing God expand us and you know it's funny we were teaching last month about the prayer of Jabez and about the Lord enlarging our territory and I really think that's what's happening here at this community so congratulations to all of you all who have served here who've brought your faith here and your your love for God and your love for people here, I think you're the reason why um, we are doing as well as we are. So I want to thank you. I want to honor Nashville Life for being a great church and a growing church, right? Awesome. Um, Let's do another round of the Bless the Lord song. I will bless the Lord. Oh, my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Let's do that again. I will bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Uh, Repeat these words after me, if you can. Say the uh, the word of God is the bread of life. life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. it it. In the name of Jesus, Amen. All right. So we are on our third and final message of our series, which is called Freedom. We're in a Freedom Series, and it's our last message of the series because next week we are um, having our Vision Sunday, so I'm kind of breaking out of the the series and more so talking about what to expect here at our church over the next year. So I pray that you all come back for that, but I'm excited to wrap up what— I've really enjoyed teaching on freedom this month and my goal has been to teach it from a perspective that would be refreshing to you and empowering to you. Um, I think oftentimes when it comes to pursuing freedom or breaking an addiction or an unwanted habit or a character trait, um, we can tend to put so much emphasis on our past and magnify the thing that we wanna be set free from so much that it ends up still dominating our minds and we find ourselves still feeling consumed by the thing that we're trying to break free from. And then when you look in Scripture, you really see that the Lord is trying to shift our focus, not so much on what we've been saved from, but really what we've been saved for. Not so much on what God has set us free from, which praise God, but it's sooner or later if you really want to be free from your past, you've got to shift and ask yourself not so much, of what God has saved me and freed me from, but what has he set me free for? And that has a way of really shifting your attention and your momentum towards your future and not so much on your past. Uh, Last week, we talked about freedom, not just being of what you're shedding off and taking off, but it's equally important to know what you're adding on and putting on your life, Um, and these are the things that have really cost me a lot of years of freedom. So, as a pastor, I want to share with you guys the the things that made it click for me and the things I found in God's word, so that your freedom story can be uh, can start today, really and really start living a life of freedom uh, for a a long period of time and even for the rest of your life, we see scriptures that give us vision of living free forever. And the Lord lets us know how to do that. So today I want to talk about freedom in regards to it being our calling. Uh, The scripture shows us that freedom is actually a calling. And I want everyone here to understand that there is a calling on your life as an individual, not just this church as a whole, but each of us have a divine calling that the Lord is hoping and praying that we respond to and answer to. And that calling is for you to be free. Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 10. It says, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election for if you practice these qualities you will never fall now for some of you depending on your season of life I got your attention when I said the phrase that you could never fall because many of us right now when it comes to our freedom journey or our recovery journey we find ourselves falling back into the same pits of the past and the idea that there is a life that God has for you where you could never fall back into those things. I might have gotten some of your attention and if that's you, I'm so glad you're here because the Lord wants to reintroduce to you or introduce to you a standard that you might have not even known was possible for your life. Um, We've all experience those moments where we'll say I'll never do that again but the reason why so few of us succeed is the strategy for not falling should not be trying not to fall Rather, the scripture is saying that if we practice new qualities, if we practice our calling, if we practice our future, we will find ourselves being so occupied with what God has for our future that we really won't have time to even think about, let alone obsess about the things of our past. Um, In Nashville Life, our Next Steps class, we talk about the importance of developing your calling. It's a process, it's a it's a practicing that's involved. Um, but we believe it's important. I believe that your calling is the how to your purpose. I think the purpose of your life is more of the why and I think the calling is the how. How am I going to do this? How is the Lord going to enable me to live a purposeful life? Um, the calling is freedom. And if you weren't here last week, I covered that freedom. A, it's a marriage of two things happening, both the breaking off the old yoke, the old chain, to the old master, to your old sins, to your flesh, um, it's important for us to break free of that yoke. That yoke is it's, it's something that goes around uh, the, the neck of, a, of an ox when you're doing work and you're attached to uh, a, another ox and it's for labor. And when you are in sin, you have a yoke, an imaginary yoke around your life that's attached to the devil and you're carrying out works of the flesh works of sin. So it's important to take that yoke off, but it's equally important to put a new yoke on and that's the yoke of Christ and the yoke of Christ will teach you to do a different kind of labor, a different kind of work. That's a work of the spirit. Um, I taught last week that freedom is not the absence of a yoke, but freedom is the replacement of a yoke. There's a a big difference. So we're gonna talk about the purpose of our freedom by pulling up uh, Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five, verse 13. And it says in verse 13, for you were called to freedom. Freedom is your calling, brothers. uh, Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another. The scripture is very important because it shows you uh, what freedom is for and what freedom is not for. Let's first cover what freedom is not for. Paul lets us know that we are not supposed to use our freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, or an opportunity to selfishly live, or to live for yourself, or to gratify yourself, and the scripture says, you know, if we do this, it really defeats the purpose of our freedom. When you use your freedom to indulge in yourself, it actually ends up canceling out your freedom because Next thing you know, you are wearing the same chains that God had already set you free from. It's almost like if you imagine being in prison for committing a crime, and then you get released from prison and you're free. And the first thing you do with your freedom is to commit a crime to put you right back behind bars this is why Paul is saying do not use your freedom for your flesh because it's only going to put you back behind the same bars that you were just set free from instead use your freedom to something else and you know when you uh, see the statistics even of of the returning rate for a lot of people who are incarcerated that that happens a lot you see that story happen a lot in in the natural with prison, but I think you see it happen even more spiritually of people who are set free from God, but they don't they misuse their freedom. They they don't understand the purpose of their freedom, so they end up defeating the purpose of their freedom and submitting themselves back to those same old ways and those same chains. And I was asking myself, God, because I've done it myself, and I'm like, Lord, what is it about our misunderstanding of freedom that causes us to misuse it um, and to abuse it as, as often as people do? And the first thing that came to my mind when I asked the Lord this question was uh, child, childhood, the restrictions of childhood. And I thought about me being a kid and... and wanting to stay up later than my bedtime and wanting to you know eat McDonald's instead of the green beans that were prepared for me that night and wanting to watch that show or or that that scary movie that I wasn't allowed to watch and the stage was sort of set in my childhood to perceive freedom as being able to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it how I wanted to do it, with who I wanted to do it with. And, and that was what my perception of freedom. And, and I think it really set me up for a lot of failures. I think it naturally gave me this draw to a rebellious life and a life without discipline and a life of a lot of indulgences. And it was my pursuit of what I thought freedom was. Freedom to me was doing what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. That was freedom, but I had a rude awakening and I realized that the freedom that I thought I was living was putting me and making me a slave to a lot of things that I was not prepared for. And I think that happens to a lot of us. We have an understanding of what freedom is and then we wake up and go, how are all of these chains around my neck? I thought I was free. I thought this is what freedom was. And I'm so grateful to to God that he saved me from this definition of freedom, which is why Proverbs says that we should never lean on our own understandings because our understandings will call slavery freedom and call freedom slavery. The things that I thought was freedom for me, ended up being slavery, and the things that I would have maybe associated with with not being free was was freedom all along. Galatians 5.13, let me read the second part of it about what freedom is for. It says, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So now we're learning that not only is freedom not doing what you want to do when you want to do it, freedom is actually serving others and really doing what they want and and when they want. And there's this whole picture of being a servant now. And again, if you asked me in my own natural Alvin understandings and you show me the picture of a servant, And said, where do they belong? Is this more on the slave side of the spectrum? Or is this on the free side of the spectrum? And I would told you that that's, I would have understood that to be more of a slave situation than a free situation of being someone's servant. But the Lord is, he has different ways, y'all. He has higher ways. And as Christians, we are called to adopt his mind, his heart, and his ways What does it mean to serve others? What does it mean to serve others? Philippians 2 verse 3 says to count others more significant than yourselves. When you count other people more significant than you, then that's how you serve them. Serving people is counting others more significant than yourself. Now, some of you guys may have gotten a little bit nervous, maybe a little bit triggered based off maybe some things you've experienced in the past. And I want to address that because that whatever that resistance that you might sense or that nervousness that you might sense, I believe could be what God wants to set you free from today. Um, There are a lot of fears that come with being invited to a life of service to other people. And those fears run a wide range. I'm just going to name a few of them. There's the the fear of being taken advantage of. There's the fear of burnout. There's the fear of being robbed of, of a good life. There's the fear of getting passed by or looked over. There could be the fear of missing out on what you could be or could be doing. And these fears really put us in a position where we don't believe that um, it would be in our best interest to count others more significant than ourselves. It's these fears that make you look at servitude as a threat to your needs as a human being. And I believe the Lord has an antidote for any of you who wrestle with any of the fears that I mentioned or anything that's similar. And that antidote is found in 1 John chapter four. 1 John chapter four, verse 18. It says, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Now, I want to make sure you understand what I'm not saying. The scripture does not say he who fears is not loved. I don't want you to feel condemned because you still struggle in the area of fear. But it does say that the love of God has not been perfected in you. It means that the the revelation and the power of God's love hasn't fully manifested in your life. Therefore, you still are not uh, experiencing the full benefits of what God's love is meant to do. In your life, and one of the main benefits that God's love will do it will cast out those fears that are holding you back from your calling, and those fears that are holding you back from your destiny. I want to try to connect the dots between the fear that you might be suffering from and the perfect love of God. There's a passage in, uh, well, there's it's Luke, it's in Matthew where Jesus is telling the disciples, to consider the flowers and to consider the birds. And he talks about how thoroughly and how well God takes care and covers these animals and these aspects of nature. And then he goes on to say that he considers us way more valuable than he considers these birds and these flowers. And the idea is to make us Put two and two together of saying, if lilies and birds are less valuable to God and he takes care of them so perfectly, how much more will he cover me? How much more will he provide for me? How much more has he thought about every detail of my life and has my entire life covered in the palm of his hands? The love of God is meant to do a lot more than just to make you feel warm and fuzzy inside. And don't get me wrong, it's nice to feel warm and fuzzy inside. But if that's all you're getting from God's love, there's, there's a, lot, a whole lot more that you should be getting. And, and God's love is meant to secure you. It's meant to bring a security to your life. It's meant to bring um, an enrichment to your life. It's meant to enrich Your life. It's meant to to elevate your life to a place of great wealth and great security and great confidence. And when I say wealth, I don't necessarily mean your bank account, but I mean understanding that according to the Word of God, in Christ, we have been given everything, everything. That's a big word, everything pertaining to life and pertaining to godliness. The scripture says there is nothing that you need for this life that you have not been provided in Christ. And until you believe that in your heart, and until that sinks in to your belief system and the way that you see yourself, you will look at serving others as a threat instead of a privilege. People who don't believe they are taken care of by God, people who still do not believe that God has you completely taken care of, those people cannot afford to take care of anyone else. People who still doubt that God has secured their future can't afford to invest in the future of others. People who don't know their own significance can't afford to prioritize the significance of other people. And notice I'm not describing bad people. I'm not describing mean people. I'm describing people who sincerely don't think they can afford it. Have you ever heard the phrase or said, yeah, I would if I could? I think that's a lot of, of people. We, we, because of our belief system. There's a lack of security and there's a lack of confidence and there's a lack of certainty about the favor of God on our lives and the provision and the care of God. So when the Lord calls us out to, and gives us this calling, like consider people more significant than you and serve other people, we're like, that's, that's impossible. And what the Lord is trying to show us, if, if, if that is a thought, then, then you still need to be perfected in love. The love of God still needs to be perfected in your life. You need to know God. You need to know him. And if you say you know him, you, you need to know him better. And you need to let his love and the revelation of his love truly, truly impact your life to where it starts changing the way you see yourself changing the way you see your life, the way you perceive your future, and, and it will liberate you. It will liberate you because your eyes will be open to the wealth and to the provision and the support and the stability and the safety and the security that comes with the love of God. And once you reach that level of confidence and that level of trust in god all of a sudden you'll find this new capacity and this new room in your heart in your mind to actually care about the well-being of other people his love will make you secure enough to serve another person his love will elevate your life where you won't mind getting low for the sake of of elevating someone else. There's just certain things you don't believe you can afford to do when you're still reaching for the top, when you're still competing for the spotlight, when you're still fighting for your rights, when you're still contending for your significance. There's a great insecurity about contending and asserting your own importance. If you knew the importance that you already had in Christ, you would feel such a less need to flex. Your drive to name drop will start to really diminish. Your necessity to insert yourself in situations will be replaced with a quiet peace. That's where God is calling us, and the only thing that'll get you there is the love of God. There is no level of success. There is no amount of beauty. There is no amount of money that will grant you the confidence that it truly takes to be a servant other than the love of God. This is what freedom is. This is a picture of freedom. This is what freedom is, not just not sinning. Freedom is being at a point where you have considered the lilies and you've considered the birds. And you realize that if these things are as lavishly loved and cared for by God, how much more am I blessed? How much more am I covered and protected? And then that will liberate you to where you actually believe now that you can afford to put somebody else before you. An incredible image and uh, uh, example of this mindset that God is calling each of us to is in Philippians chapter 2. And I'm going to go to verse 5. It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now, as much as we can admire this mind and respect this mind, the scripture doesn't say admire this mind. It says, adopt this mind. Have this mind. Guys, it's not enough to go, go Jesus. That's great. Good for him. Wow, what a humble, that that can't cut it in Christianity. Christianity is imitating Christ, not just adoring him. You can admire him and still be nothing like him. We have to graduate from respecting him to obeying and following him, imitating him. He's not looking for fans. He's looking for disciples. He's not looking for pat on the backs. I'm telling you, we are not doing Jesus any favors by just being fans. It is not until we adopt his mind and receive his spirit and walk in his character that we're doing what he called us to do. And the mind that we're supposed to be in is a mind of servitude. Now, if you pull back Philippians, the passage um, on the screen, when I read this person that Philippians is describing in this book, this is not someone who had a low self-esteem or a low sense of value or someone who just wanted to live like a, a, a buzzard or a vulture and live beneath. In fact, I see the exact opposite. The scripture says that he was in a position where he didn't find it necessary to grasp equality with God. And the reason why is because he was already with God. Jesus was at a level of elevation and honor and majesty where he didn't have to contend for something that he already had. He didn't have to flex or prove what he already knew that he was. Guys, you don't have to apply for a job that you've already been given. So he wasn't—he wasn't needing to to press and reach and grab and fight for something that was already his. And because of that security, he could afford—he could afford to give a few decades of his life to stoop down to the level of humankind, mankind. And he didn't just come down here uh, out of curiosity of what it was like to live down here like mere mortals no he had a purpose his purpose was to stoop down not even to our level but the scripture says he died on the cross and was buried which means he actually went underneath our level guys sometimes you have to lift from the bottom up and i'm trying to let you guys know that Jesus. What he did was he actually stooped down to where he was below us. And the scripture says when he was raised, he raised us up with him. And this takes a great degree of confidence and uh, self-assured, self-certainty and security of being able to stoop down for the elevation of other people. And when you are still contending for your own significance and your own greatness, and you're still reaching for your own status, you will will look at serving others as a threat to your pursuit of being great. And the Lord says, hey, read the word. You don't have to strive anymore. You don't have to reach or claw your way to the top. If you say yes to the Lord Jesus, he has already lifted you to sit in heavenly places. We as Christians have already been lifted to be seated in heavenly places. So we don't have to reach anymore. We don't have to claw anymore. We don't have to compete. We don't have to manipulate. We don't have to even wish. It's already been done. You are securely Seated with Christ in heavenly places. And when you understand this, you'll feel a liberation. And you won't see counting others more significant than yourself as a threat anymore. You'll see it as your calling. You'll see it as the least that you can do. And when you understand how much you already have, it really frees you up. Now, I want to end with this next phrase, this last little phrase. It says to count others more significant than yourself. This is about perspective. When it says count others more significant than yourself, it doesn't mean that they are more significant than you, but it means that you're making a choice to consider them more significant than you. There's a big difference. There's a big difference in actually being less important than someone and choosing to make them important to you. One is, uh, one is a sign of strength. One is a sign of security. One is a sign of, of, of Christ. Christ. It's the way he lives. It's the way that he thinks. And, and I just, my prayer is that we, we understand that the Lord is calling us to a great calling. And the calling is going to require us to remove some of these fears that's preventing us from stepping into the mindset that we read in Philippians chapter 2. Consider others more significant than yourself. In order to do that, you have to first consider the lilies and see how how significant you are to God. Once you understand how significant you are to God, it won't be as scary to put somebody else before you. And the beautiful vision of this is when all of us begin to think like this, and when all of us begin to practice this, imagine the harmony, the harmony and the synergy of our community when all of us are making a point to put other people and the neighbors and those who are next to us and to consider. I mean, if all of us were considering each other more significant than us, I mean, I just believe that the product, the results, people will look at our community and look at us and see Jesus. They will see there'll be people that will walk in and see this level of mutual respect and mutual honor and, and humility and you know this person will outdo and this person in honor and vice versa. These are the dynamics that show the world who Jesus is. That's my prayer. My prayer is that the love of God would cast out all the fears that make us afraid to serve and to put people in a position more significant than ourselves. That's my prayer. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the calling. I thank you, Lord, for this this standard of freedom, free from the fears of not having our needs met and not being fulfilled and and not being able to, to make ends meet or to get whatever credit or attention that we need or deserve, God. I pray, Lord, that we would turn our eyes to you And realize that you love us so much. And you don't just love us, but you love us in a way, Lord, that's even greater than the way that you love the birds and the the flowers and the lilies, God. You love us even more. We hold so much more value to you than any of those other things. God, and my prayer is, Lord, that that would click for us and we would understand that since we are loved, since we are secure, since we are important, since we are already lifted up to a place of, of strength and of, of, of glory and of righteousness, we can afford To lay down our life for someone else. We can afford to get low for the well being and the support of someone else. We can afford to count others more significant than ourselves. Lord, and it won't be a sign of weakness, it won't be a sign of poverty, it won't be a sign of slavery. It'll be a sign of strength. It'll be a sign of wealth. It'll be a sign of confidence. It'll be a sign of security. Lord, we want to be like you, Jesus. You were so secure in your relationship with the Father. You were so secure in your position that you could afford to stoop down and raise us up to where you sit in heavenly places. So, God, we take on that mind. We'll no longer fear. We'll no longer worry. But we'll be free to live our lives in a way that elevates other people. Lord, forgive us for fearing that people might pass us up or outshine us or all these sort of things that that keep us from from pouring out our lives. Lord, if any of us have been scarred or hurt or misused in a way that that has caused some fear, I ask for your perfect love to heal, to heal their hearts and their minds. Lord, heal every person who needs healing. So that we can be whole and full enough to serve one another. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask us all to stand. And my appeal today is if you struggle with fear. And you know that it's keeping you from really stepping out in what you've been called to be and called to do. I want to offer you the love of God today. I want to offer you his love. And I will pray that you would use his love today so his love can drive out all of those fears. My prayer is that you get a revelation of his love where you understand for the first time or the first time in a long time that you really don't have any reason to be afraid. Consider the lilies. Consider the birds. How much more does he cover you? My prayer is that these words will become more than just a verse or a, a, the bridge of gyra. I want it to become more than just that. I want it, it's gotta become a belief system and we wanna support you in that. So if you say yes to the Lord today, if you recommit your life to him, I believe that by the Spirit of God, the perfect love of God will flood your heart, it'll flood your mind, and I believe you will see fear leave. Fear after fear after fear will have to leave because there will be no space for fear because you will be so full of God's love. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit would pour God's powerful love into your life, almost like liquid, and it would just fill you up to where there'd be no room for fear. No room for competition. No room for anxiety. So if you want that love today, it's yours. You can receive it by faith. You might not feel anything, but if you receive the Lord Jesus by faith today, the perfect love of God, I promise you, it'll fill your heart. It'll fill your life. And every fear will be driven out. That's the truth of God's word, and that's what I'll offer you today. So repeat these words after me if you're ready for the love of God to flood your life through his son, Jesus. Say these words. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins. Make me a new person in Christ. Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Let's lift up a sound of thanksgiving, a sound of gratitude, of faith. May you be enriched by his presence, secured by his presence. If you said yes to the Lord, if you said goodbye to fear, congratulations. We've got a team that would love to support you. We've got a prayer team that's gonna be right here. When we dismiss, you can come and receive prayer. You can receive requests for whatever it is that you need. We're here to support you. Don't be shy. You're not inconveniencing us. We are here to serve. We are here to love. So if you need prayer, you can come down and let us know. Um, You can also connect with us by texting those words, BELONG to 77411 that's a simple way to connect with us that way we've just got um some information we can send straight to your phone and it's uh really simple so we would love to connect with you that way and my favorite way that you can connect is coming to next steps that starts in like two minutes so when we dismiss you can come up to the third floor i can meet y'all and would love to share with you the vision of our church, show you how you can start to serve here and uh, really take on that identity of a servant, someone who is free enough to serve in the body of Christ. So uh, I'm gonna dismiss us in prayer. Uh, If you would like to give your offering or tithes, thank you in advance. Uh, you You can give to our finance team in the lobby or you can give online. And then lastly, one more thing, if you filled out that survey, uh, give it to the Next Steps booth to my left um, in the lobby. That's it. That's it. I'll see you all next week. Father, I pray a blessing over everyone who's here. I thank you, Lord, for freedom. I thank you for the perfect love of God. Lord, I pray, Lord, that your love would continue to drive out every fear that is keeping us from our calling and our purpose. God, I pray your provision and protection over every person, every family that is represented. God, let us have a great week, and Lord, let us remember to be a blessing and a servant to other people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great rest of your day.